You're lucky I'm not indicting you for assault with intent to commit murder. What? Where the hell does it say you've got a right to kick down doors, torture suspects, deny medical attention and legal counsel? Where have you been? Does Escobedo ring a bell? Miranda? I mean, you must have heard of the Fourth Amendment. What I'm saying is that man had rights. Well, I'm all broken up about that man's rights. You should be. I've got news for you, Callahan. As soon as he's well enough to leave the hospital, he walks. What are you talking about? He's free. And you're letting him go? We have to. We can't try him. And why is that? Because I'm not wasting a half a million dollars of the taxpayers' money on a trial we can't possibly win. The problem is we don't have any evidence. Evidence? What the hell do you call that? I call it nothing. Zero. Are you trying to tell me that ballistics can't match the bullet up to this rifle? It does not matter what ballistics can do. This rifle might make a nice souvenir. But it's inadmissible as evidence. And who says that? It's the law. Well, then the law is crazy. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we are back again with our Trilogy in Theory book club, talking the second film discussed in Quentin Tarantino's cinema speculation, 1971's Dirty Harry. I have seen the first one, I'd say, a few times. I have seen none of the sequels. What about you, Mike? No, and uh, I guess we should point out that uh, you and I, in preparation for this episode, were we, we had human contact. We were in each other's presence. You you came to my town for a wedding uh, for our mutual friend Dave and fellow podcaster over at Off Screen Death, and uh, I had seen Dirty Harry before. That's the only one I'd, I'd seen. I believe it was for another podcast where I was asked to come on as a guest, and the two hosts had no interest in talking about dirty harry which led me to it's like well this is your show it's not a new release you didn't feel obligated to do it what what are we doing here they hated it i hated the experience of discussing it then uh, but yeah i um i was looking for it because it was not streaming i did not own a digital copy so we were at a used bookstore and i, I found if you recall two copies i found a blu-ray copy which was uh the first and second one which is magnum force i believe which I, I know the, the title, but I did not know the sequencing. Uh, and then there was a DVD copy, which had all five. And I was shocked. I did, I did not know. I knew there were sequels. I just didn't know that it, they went up to, like, it's like the late 80s, like 88 or 89, that the uh, the Deadpool came out. And so you're, you're talking two decades of Dirty Harry on the screen. I just did not realize it lasted that long, because in my stupid brain i just read this is old this is just like a really old action movie right and that's kind of what quentin tarantino gets into is it's like the first of 
many things. It's the transition from the Western hero, in particular with Clint Eastwood, to the cop, that becoming the predominant sort of male-dominated action genre from the West to the, the modern setting of a police officer. Uh, but he also points out that it's the first, I guess, the serial killer uh, movie away, or the first populist serial killer uh, movie, where that's the central antagonist. It's not the the mafia. It's not just a, you know a drug pusher. It's a man who likes to kill, and that's it. That's his reason for being is just to to kill. No other sort of motivating factor. So I I did not grow up on these. My my dad was a big Clint Eastwood as far as the spaghetti westerns. I'd seen a lot of those. He loved uh, the outlaw Josie Wales in particular. Um, I don't remember. I'm sure he watched Dirty Harry, but I, th- I think my dad must have been a relic of the past where he was the the previous era of his childhood was the Western and he did not transition necessarily into uh, cop movies as his action aesthetic. So no, I do not have a, a long history with this other than it being, I guess, troubled podcasts. Hopefully this will not be one of them. <laughs> um, but I am troubled that I could not find the completionist in me. And I know you understand. I could not find a Blu-ray that had all five. I could not find a Blu-ray that had two secondhand and I couldn't go back to uh, the DVDs. And guess what, Webb? I only watched one of the fucking special features. <laughs> After all of my moaning and complaining, I didn't even need. I just watched one, and I was totally confused because the first thing I watched, I saw an interview with Patricia Clarkson. I was like, Patricia Clarkson? Was she like a child? Was she one of the school bus kids? And she's talking on this Dirty Harry disc, and she's referencing uh, the Deadpool from the late 80s, which syncs up with her age better. But they, there's no context for it. She's like, yeah, my family was happy. I was getting work with... I was totally confused and baffled. So I threw my hands up and got frustrated. It was like, to hell with these special features. I don't, <laughs> I don't have time for all this. You're, contextually, you're not putting this in the proper uh, place for me. Um, so no, not, not much experience except for uh, this watch and, and one prior one. What a poorly thought out Blu-ray release. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because in particular, that I know there's a DVD where they did like one set for this. Don't you put Patricia Clarkson on the Deadpool set? You know the movie she's actually in. What are you do? What are you doing? Right. <laughs> but they got me. They, they, you know, especially here on Tit, we love Patricia Clarkson. That was the first thing I clicked on. Like, ooh, an interview with Patricia Clarkson, which is another manner of dorky. But then I was betrayed. One thing you mentioned about Dirty Harry is the time at which it was made is is the serial killer. This is kind of the first time that you kind of see someone so purely evil and it struck a nerve with the audience. And you really do have to put this film into context, I think, for modern audiences. And that kind of gets me talking about kind of the politics of the movie as well. When you put it into context, you've got a time when these older Americans who are incredibly frustrated, as Quentin talks about in the book, and they don't recognize their country anymore, right? The cops are under the microscope of public perception. Uh, the, the law seems to be siding with the bad guys. And I think n- no scene shows that more than the uh, when you when you finally catch Scorpio uh, towards the end, and none of the evidence is admissible because uh, there was no there was an illegal search essentially, uh, no search warrant, and he's going to get off scot free. And it's a it's a funny scene to me because it seems like Dirty Harry uh, Callahan has zero idea of what the law is, and he somehow became a police officer. And so I'm watching that scene. I was like, Yeah, well, you these- can't fucking dork terms you're throwing at me here i just (laughs) i point the gun and i pull the trigger (laughs) what is all this gobbledygook
So if you like what you heard, stumble over to patreon.com slash projecting film. There you'll find all of our episodes on cinema speculation for this year, along with other Patreon-specific episodes for movie podcasts such as Offscreen Death and Sober Cinema. And if you hate clicking on links, don't worry. You will get your own podcast-specific feed under commentary track as if you need one more feed to listen to me on. It's just a buck, though. <laughs>